0: Hello everybody. We have just started a new series entitled Eternal Life, What's Next? And we've done the introduction and today is part two, Where is Heaven? Now, I just want to say at the very beginning, I think it's very important for us to know what happens after death. Actually, that's part of our message to the world because it's part of the hope that we have in Christ. And yet, Very few Christians have a good understanding of what happens after death, what about heaven, what about after that. There's just not a good understanding within the church today. But it's also more important than just telling people, it's important for us as well. Having an eternal view of this life will help us invest in what's really important and eternal while we're here, and not just things that really make no difference even a few weeks from now i remember hearing uh, someone say this is when i was probably back in my 20s that uh whatever you do you need to ask yourself two questions will it count a year from now and will it count 10 years from now and a lot of the things that we do a lot of our priorities don't fit into those much less is it going to really count for eternity So having a biblical, a strong biblical view of heaven, what happens at death, will help sort out priorities for us here. And it's also going to give us encouragement and maybe even endurance when we really need it. And as we said last time, we're going to find that it's going to increase our love for Christ. Okay, I'd like for us to start off today with Job 14 verse 10. Now Job we think is probably the oldest book of the Bible, maybe one of the oldest books ever written around. And, uh, and there's a question that kind of comes up. It says, but man dies and lies prostrate. Man expires, and where is he? And I think that's a question that we all ask, and it's been asked since really the beginning of time. What happens to me once I die? I mean, I know what happens to my body, but what about me? You know, the, the thing that makes me, me. And, uh, and so, you know, where is man after he dies? Where is heaven? Is it real? What it's like? These are some of the questions that we want to be going over. And we're going to start looking at some of these questions today. So today we're going to have just go over sort of a basic timeline of what's going to happen. And in the following weeks, we're going to go over a lot more details, and we'll be using a lot more scriptures to support that. So first of all, we said this in the introduction, but we need to say it again. Heaven is a very real place. It's not a dream. It's not some fantasy world. Actually, heaven is more real than this world. If you think about it, now I know it's hard for us to understand that because we've only been a part of this world. But unlike this world, heaven is eternal. This world has an end to it. And it seems like Van's doing a pretty good job of trying to kind of bring it closer to an end than what we'd really like. You know, uh, heaven is not corrupted, unlike this world. You know, uh, I think we uh, all know that everything is slowly falling apart on this earth. In fact, everything's in decay. You know, society, if you look at earth or nature, the environment, it's slowly decaying. Our bodies decay. Every institution, every government eventually declines. It kind of has a peak and then it might kind of plateau and then it starts to decline. It's just the way things work here on this earth. Heaven is different. And so therefore it's more real than here. This world is beautiful, you know, with the lakes and mountains and oceans. But we know that in the next world, heaven is going to be more lush, more vivid, more perfect than anything here. In fact, it's going to be beyond anything that we can imagine. I think another thing about heaven that that makes it stand out from the earth is that is our eternal inheritance. That is where we belong not to this world. This world is just a temporary thing. It's the other world, heaven, that is the real world. In fact, Hebrews speaks of the things here as being mere shadows, but the substance is there. Now, we often see it the other way around, don't we? That's because we, it's hard for us to imagine what it's gonna be like on the other side we have the scriptures to give us guidance. So where is heaven? Is it in some faraway galaxy? I mean, physically, geographically, where is it? And the answer is, we don't know. We can assume up because, you know, the the scriptures say, keeping, you know, uh, keep your eyes above all the things that are heavenly. Uh, Stephen, when he was being martyred, he looked up and he saw you know, the the gates of heaven, Jacob's ladder climbing upward, but we really don't know much about it. We can assume that it's fairly close to us, but we can't really travel there, can we? You know, and if we could, I don't think it'd be very far. So let's kind of talk about some of this today. And I want us to start by going to Genesis 1 through 3. We're not going to be looking at specific verses, but I encourage you to go back later. You can read this. So what happened in the first three chapters of Genesis? First of all, God created the earth and the heavens. And one of the things he says, it was good after he finished making it and creating it. And uh, that's what he says about his creation here. Now keep that in mind because we need to realize that God's original intention, his original earth was good. It was perfect. Then God creates man and woman. And how did he do it? We're told that we, it was done, that we were created in his image. A few verses later, like in chapter one, verse 26, it says, we were created according to his likeness. Now, he doesn't say that about the angels who we also created. Now, I want us to remember that, okay? Because in the subsequent weeks, we could kind of come back to that. But if you look at Psalm 8, you look at Hebrews 2, you, we see that our destiny, our destiny, mankind, has a much greater purpose and a much greater destiny we have than even the angels. The angels are created. They, they're immortal Uh But our destiny is going to far supersede that of angels. And again, we're going to talk a little bit more about that a little bit later. But we could say that he never gave the angels dominion over the world. That was given to what? That was given to us. Okay, another thing we can see in the first few chapters of Genesis is that God's original plan for his special creation, humans, It was a perfect world. It was large. There was an abundance of everything. There's food of all kinds. And and, and those are just a few things we kind of know. And so God placed them in this beautiful Garden of Eden. And God placed them there because he made it for them. You can read it again in chapter 2, around verse 15. You can pick up on this. And also... God walked with them in the garden. So he was there with them. That's right. Physically, I don't know how he did it, but somehow he, there is a, a, a connection. Whereas you go a couple chapters uh, or a couple books later in the Bible, we see Moses is kind of begging to get a glimpse of God. And God says, no, no, you can't because you're so sinful. You know, it, it just wouldn't work. <clears throat> okay, so in the beginning, it was different. Now, by the way, Eden, and that was the Hebrew word, paradise is the Greek translation. And in fact, uh, it was used even by a lot of uh, Jewish writers a little bit later because it just seemed to be, it seemed to be a word that caught on throughout the whole Middle East and really the whole ancient world, paradise. And so some translations, even English and Spanish translations, they'll use the word paradise instead of Eden. But you can see Eden and paradise, they're the same, the garden of God. We see this, it comes up again in Genesis 13, Isaiah 51, Ezekiel 28, 47, Revelation 22, a lot of different places, okay? Okay, so they were in this paradise, this the garden of God as it's called. Eden, and that was God's original intention. Then there's the fall, and because of the fall, sin enters into our world, and uh, and with sin was going to come corruption, death, and pride. So God sends man out of the garden, and he stays and he stations cherubim, you know, angels to guard. It says in every direction. And one of the questions we might say, well, where did the, you know, where is that? And, you know, I know for a lot of, you know, for centuries, people would always kind of be looking for the original Garden of Eden, you know. Is it somewhere in the middle of Africa? Is it somewhere in Asia? Oh, maybe it's in South America. But, you know, that that's, it's not here in this world anymore, is it? It was removed. And uh, and along with that, the tree of life. In fact, now, when, or a- actually after Genesis um, you know, two, three. we see that whenever paradise or Eden is mentioned, it's always in reference to heaven. So somehow it was sort of translated into the heavenly world. Okay. Um, some of you uh, literature buffs may have read John Milton's Paradise Lost. It was written in the 1600s, Uh, I confess to you, I haven't read the whole thing. It's a collection of, I think, like 12 books in poetry form. So that kind of makes it a lot slower, you know. But basically, it's the story of what happened at the very beginning and the rebellion in heaven of some of the angels like uh, Lucifer and, uh, you know, against God and what happened at the very beginning, the paradise and, you know, that God established for mankind his special you know, creation. And then, of course, how Satan and his forces came in and basically, you know, uh, took over and, and caused the fall. And it's called paradise lost. Actually, I think maybe a more accurate word might be paradise removed because it was removed. It wasn't just lost. It was removed. We know where it is. It's not lost, it's, it's, it's in heaven. It's, it's where God is right now. He's still walking there. Okay, so since then, since Genesis, we get glimpses of heaven or paradise occasionally. God gives people glimpses. We see it in the scriptures. He still does today. Somehow, it's relatively easy for angels Another one of God's special creations, you know, uh, creatures. But again, they may be immortal now, but our destiny is higher than theirs. Uh, but um, God made it so uneasy for angels to cross over to this world for a while, for some divine purpose. Uh, a lot of, lot, of, lot of examples in the scriptures. Let me just give you some. In 2 Kings chapter 6, we see that uh, Elisha, he's with his servant, and his servant is fretting because he sees the enemies surrounding them, you know, and the, the city. And uh, and so Elisha asked the Lord just to open the servant's eyes. And when the servant's eyes were open, what did he see? He saw a mountain that was filled with horses and chariots of fire. In fact, it was all the way around him, 360 degrees. And, uh, and that gave, what, confidence or reassurance to the servant. Now, what happened there? Uh, we don't know, but somehow, and, and to me, this shows that this other world is relatively close. But, uh, and there's, I guess there's horses and there's chariots of fire. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure it's angelic beings, but Elisha's servant and Elisha got a glimpse of this other world and how that world really sort of supersedes this world. By the way, other people, Abraham gets the visit from what? A couple angels. And uh, and remember the conversations about Lot, and then they kind of come back, and they kind of mention, you know, say, by the way, you're, we could come back, and a year from now, Sarah's going to be with child. And remember, and Sarah laughed and all that. Uh, but that was an angel crossing from one world to another, to this world from heaven to earth. You know, uh, Daniel gets visits and actually visions on several occasions. Ezekiel gets visions. Uh, Enoch and Elijah are two examples of people who just seem to kind of skip death altogether and just, they just kind of crossed over to that other world. Now, uh, I don't suggest you try that because it's probably not going to work, but somehow if God desires that, it's possible. In other words, the, the, the divide or the crossover space, it's not like you got to travel 20 years to get there into space. Somehow it's an alternate, more real world. And I probably shouldn't even use that world, but because it's heaven than this world, but for the sake of illustration, you know, uh, the whole advent of Jesus. And I mean, there are angels all over the place. I mean, visiting Mary and Joseph on a couple occasions and, uh, and uh and of course they're visiting the shepherds and back in a few weeks as we get closer to christmas i think we could probably take a week and just talk about angelic activity and probably even use the uh christmas you know the events around uh, the nativity and the coming of jesus is just kind of an example of what you know how there's this crossover especially angels coming here There's a transfiguration in Matthew 17 where all of a sudden Moses and Elijah appear. They're very real. They had clothes on. They seem to have some type of a body. They crossed over to this world and then they kind of just stepped back. Um, Daniel, we've already kind of mentioned, he had visions and the visions were obviously of this other world and a world or a realm that was more real than this one. And then of course, there's John. And the book of Revelation, I mean, the whole, almost the whole book is a vision of what God chose to almost take the curtains and open and let John see. And what did, what was uh, John told? Write these things down, you know, and uh, and of course he did, and we're still enjoying them today. So this other world, this other realm, heaven, paradise is real. And we need to remember that is our destiny. Okay, what I want to do now is just kind of go through a quick overview of heaven, sort of a timeline, okay? And, uh, and uh, we're going to fill in the gaps quite a bit, but I think we're going to see there's about four main sections and about three transition times. So just kind of bear with me, listen to this again. You may want to take notes, uh, when I do this on Sunday morning, we're actually going to have a handout, like a little chart that they can kind of fold out and they can kind of follow through, but that's kind of hard to do online. So let's go back and let's start with the old Testament times. In o- the old Testament times, when someone died, they went to the place of dead spirits. It was called Sheol in Hebrew and Hades in Greek. And just like uh, paradise, the word paradise, the Greek words sort of started being used more by the church than the Hebrew word. And, uh, and we know from the story that Jesus gave about Lazarus and the rich man in Luke 16, we know that Hades or Sheol was divided into two sections. One was called Abraham's bosom which is a, a, a Jewish expression that means, um, I'm not sure if there's an English uh, correlation, but it just means, you know, in the, in the uh, you know, a place of extreme comfort and rest. You just put it that way. And that's where the righteous were. And then there's a place of torment where the rich man was. And that was the place where the wicked and the selfish ended up going. So that's in the Old Testament times, okay? Okay. And we see David writes about this, Um, you know. Actually, we're we're going to be coming back to some of this a little bit later. Okay, so then Jesus comes. There's the crucifixion and the resurrection, and of course, there's a a little bit of time, um, you know, period between the time he resurrected. I mean, the time he died. And then, you know, which would be, we kind of know is Good Friday. And then he rose on Sunday morning, the third day, as the Jewish uh, mindset would count it. And this is a very key time because what happens then? We're told that Jesus goes to Hades or to Sheol. And I've got a couple of little passages there. We're not going to look at them right now, but you can look at them. We don't know all the details, but we do see that when he goes down there, he preaches the gospel. And then he leads captives out of captivity to heaven. And uh, now, a question you probably have well, did he preach to both sides? Well, we don't know that. We assume that it's probably the one side, those who by faith were looking forward, like Abraham, to the heavenly city, to the country that was not his own, you know, but we don't know exactly. But we know that he led. Captives at a shield or Hades and took them with him up to heaven or to paradise. In fact, what did Jesus say to the thief on the cross? You know, truly today you'll be in paradise with me. So he was saying that you know he that there's he knew that today the day he died was going to be a a turning point. So then so that's a very that's one of those transition points okay so we have the old testament times then the first transition time and then after the resurrection until he returns by the way that's today it's been about almost it's been close to two thousand years not quite and what about then where's heaven well now there's two categories there's hades hades or sheol is still around you know, and then there is the, um, you know, being with Jesus. It's called heaven. It's called paradise. It's called the presence of God. These are just some of the phrases that are used repeatedly, uh, and uh, and we're going to talk more about that next time in great detail. Right now, I'm just trying to give an overview. Okay, so uh, so that's so today, if someone dies it's going to be one of two places. Just like before the resurrection, there are two places, but they're both called Sheol or Hades, but they're two different parts. And uh, and by the way, we know that one was a time of torment because, why? Because uh, the rich man was saying, you know, he was, he was calling out to Lazarus, you know, hey, listen, can you help me? You know, and he was calling out to Abraham, you know, can you send Lazarus up to tell my family? You know, so they're We know that because of that, there's communication, there's an awareness of what's going on on earth, Uh, but there are two different sections. Well, there's still two different sections, except rather than Hades, those who, and we'll talk more about this in the next few weeks, those whose name is in the book of life, they will go into the presence of heaven, a presence of God, of Jesus. They'll be in paradise. They'll be in heaven, Okay. Now, then Jesus is going to come, and this is the second transition. And what happens here? When Jesus returns, uh, also at the same time, is what's called the first resurrection. All those who have died and who know Jesus or who walked with him, who were genuinely born again, they will be resurrected, and their spirits will be united with their bodies. Okay? And that's called the, and that's when we get the resurrected immortal bodies, right? And uh, and also we know that right about this time the marriage supper of the lambs is going to take place. So it's going to be a pretty big, a, a very important tribulation. I mean, a uh, transition time here, okay? And uh, and then starts the millennial millennium, and that's a period of millennium means a thousand years. Is that literal or not? There's arguments both ways. We'll kind of assume for the sake of, you know, time at this point, it is a thousand years. And during this time, Satan is actually bound in all his demons. And Jesus is going to be here on earth. He's going to be reigning. Um, he's going to be reigning from Jerusalem. We know that. And we also know that we, the believers who've been resurrected, will be reigning with him with our immortal bodies. So does that mean that we're going to die during the millennium? No, it means we're going to live all the way through the thousand years, you know. Now, some people say, well, what happens if you happen to be here on earth when Jesus comes back and you're a believer? Well, you go to be with him, you know. And uh, we, it says in 1 Thessalonians, we meet him in the air and our, our bodies are transformed, you know, instantly. And then we come back down with him to reign with him, Okay. So there's the millennium. And again, another week, we're going to talk about what happens in these thousand years. We don't know all the details, but we do know some things. And then there's another transition time, the third transition time. And this is at the end of the millennium. Satan's released. He's defeated. There's the second resurrection. That means everyone who wasn't included in the first resurrection is going to be resurrected. And, and they're going to be resurrected to the great white throne judgment. And that's where every person is going to be judged according to their deeds, unless your name is in the book of life. And that would include, uh, hopefully, you. I know it includes me, you know, and we'll talk more about that, too. So I'm just kind of giving a, an outline today of what's happening. Okay, so that's the third transition. by the way, at that point, Satan and Hades are thrown into the pit of fire. Okay. Then, and this is an important one, we have the last section, at least that we know about from the scriptures. And that's where the new heavens and new earth, everything's made new. In fact, heaven comes down to earth and there seems to be kind of a merger of the two. In fact, Earth is restored and made perfect like it was back in Eden. It's the garden of God again. Eden, paradise, just like at the beginning. The tree of life is going to be there, you know. And by the way, that's our ultimate destination, our ultimate inheritance. That's where, you know, we're going to spend the majority of eternity. And again, we're also going to take time and just spend a week on just what happens there. And really, in some ways, that's the most important because that's really the the ultimate destination, our ultimate inheritance. Okay, so let me just kind of repeat that again. So there's the Old Testament times. You know, there's Sheol or Hades, you know, divided into, there's a great chasm in between, we're told. Okay. Then Jesus comes between his death and resurrection. He goes to Hades. He sets the captives free, at least in the one section of, of uh, Hades, and takes them to be up with him in heaven or paradise. Okay. Then we have the, uh, you know, we have the age that we're in right now, and uh, and if people die now, either going to Hades or they go to heaven. Or paradise or the presence of Jesus. Okay? And then Jesus is going to come back again, the time of the first resurrection, the millennium starts, and and that's when we're going to have our resurrected bodies. We're going to live here on earth again. So one thing you might be saying, so so when I die, I'm not finished with this earth. No, you're coming back. If you know Jesus, you know. And and then after the millennium is when the heavens, a new the the. There's going to be new heavens and new earth, and it's going to be renovated, restored, uh, resurrected. You could say everything's going to be made new, and it's going to resemble, in some ways, like the Garden of God at the beginning. Except uh, there's going to be a lot more people, and there's going to be it's going to be even better. And we'll talk about that again. Okay, so. In conclusion, today, we've looked at the basic timeline. We're going to fill in the details later. Um, I would like to give you sort of a preview, though, of what we're going to be talking about in the next few weeks. And um, because I don't want this just to be sort of like, okay, just the timeline. Let's look at Psalm 16. And uh, starting in verse 9, verse 10, David's writing this, and he says, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol. We know what that is, Hades. Nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. And verse 11, you will make known to me the path of life. In your presence, that's probably talking, you know, about heaven, is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. That means like eternity. Now, does that mean that we don't enjoy the path of life here on this earth? And is there joy now? And are there pleasures now? Yes, in, in, in our walk with the Lord, yes. But it's just sort of like a foretaste. It's just a glimpse of what's coming on the other side of death. So I like that. you will make known to be the path of life, the fullness of joy, pleasures forever. That's where we're headed. And I don't know about you, but that sounds really nice. You know, Psalm 36, another passage, kind of, again, a, sort of a sneak preview of what we're going to be talking about. It says, your loving kindness, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. That means I, I, I can't even reach the limit of them. I can't touch it, the end of it. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God they're just solid. They, they're not going to move. Your judgments are like a great deep. I can't reach down to them. You know, the, the depth of them. Oh Lord, you preserve man and beast. How precious is your loving kindness, oh God. And look at this. And the children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. And again, we can start getting a glimpse of it here, but these next couple verses, we won't really know until we are in his presence after we die. It says they drink their fill of the abundance of your house and you give them drink of the river of your delights. You know, that's the, 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 the river that's talked about in Ezekiel. And again, in revelation 22, we'll, we'll talk more about all this, but, but this is a, uh, you know, the river of life. And, uh, Or here it's called the river of his delights. We're going to drink from that. That's going to be what we sustain ourselves on. And it says, for with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. So that's what we have to look forward to. And I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited about it. I really am. And I think all of us need to begin to understand What is coming down the pipe for us? Let's pray. Lord, we just ask that you would open our eyes to these things. Lord, in some ways they're foreign because we haven't been there. Yeah, we get glimpses of it at times, but we don't really understand completely. So Lord, we ask that you would give us understanding, a spiritual understanding of these things. Lord, build this hope for the joy that lies ahead for us. Lord, the fullness of joy as you talk about. Lord, help us. Teach us, Lord. And this is very important. We ask that you would teach us and help us to spend our days here in preparation for all that you have for us. Thank you, Lord. Amen.